You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. In every way, David showed himself faithful, loyal, and resourceful. Here he is developing his military prowess. Remember now, God is bringing him along. He was going to ascend to the throne in Saul's place. So God is working behind the scenes, working in David's life, bringing him to that place where eventually he'll become the next king over Israel. Why does God seem to show favor to certain people over others? In our self-focused reasoning, our hearts can start to grow jealous, and we may question God's fairness. But God has reasons, and His wisdom is far above our own. This is where faith comes into play. You have to trust that God's reasons are just. Today, Pastor Mike will point out that David's heart was full of that kind of faith. He wasn't pursuing his own promotion and success. He was pursuing God's heart and will for Israel. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 18 as he begins his message, The Favor of the Lord. pick up now in chapter 18 and verse 5. And there we read, So David went out wherever Saul, who was the king at this time, sent him and behaved wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Okay, and so David is reaping great success at this time. Now why was that? Well, the number one reason why was that he attended to his faithfulness to God. And it's the very thing that we can experience if we likewise attend to our faithfulness to God. As a cross-reference, the book of Hebrews in chapter 11, in verse 6, for example, the Bible tells us there that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So that's a wonderful promise, and you can stand on it. So as we diligently seek the Lord, he will reward you. He'll bless you. His favor will be upon uh, you as well. That's the number one reason why, at this time, David is experiencing great success. But it's also according to his obedience to Saul and his continued efforts. In every way, David showed himself faithful, loyal, and resourceful. Here he is developing his military prowess, Remember now, God is bringing him along. He was going to ascend to the throne in Saul's place. 
So God is working behind the scenes, working in David's life, bringing him to that place where eventually he'll become the next king over Israel. So here he is developing his military prowess. He won the favor of the people as well as the noblemen. Go back to verse 5 for a moment. I want to show you something there. Notice the reference to Saul's servants, uh, referring to part of the king's court. That is a part of Saul, the king's administration. And so through this battle that we read about last time, and the following years, God is preparing David for the throne. As I mentioned, he is being brought along by God. Slowly, yet surely, he is being led to understand his role and his purpose in God's plan. You know, uh, last Thursday, as a part of our final message in the book of Acts, if you joined us, you remember that the title of that message was A Well-Lived Life. And we, con- and we considered Paul at the end of his life and all of the accomplishments uh, that God, in the way that God had used him in so many profound ways. And truly, if any of the characters in the Bible, it could be said of Paul that he lived a well-lived life. And in that message, I shared with you certain principles that lent itself to Paul experiencing the well-lived life. And one of those principles, and if we apply these principles in our own life, we can also experience a well-lived life. But one of those principles was God's providence. God's providence. That is, God getting a hold of an individual like Paul or yourselves or myself, and uh, you know, just orchestrating all of the details in our lives, bringing us along, even as he brought David along at this time, uh, his favor being upon him, right? And so uh, that were some of the things that contributed uh, to Paul as well as David experiencing the same sort of thing. And so God is all over everything that's going on in David's life at this uh, time. David is gaining experience. At this time, he's living in the palace and leading a company of soldiers, all, again, in preparing him for his eventual uh, office as the next king over Israel. He's got it all. It's all good, right? Well, up until that point, it was all good, but things are about to change. Okay, let's go back now to 1 Samuel chapter 18, and let's read verses 6 through 9. Now, it happened as they were coming home, when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistines, that was their arch enemy, so obviously they had been successful in that uh, campaign, according to uh, what is recorded for us there in verse 6, that the women had come out of all of the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. So this is a time of jubilation and celebration because Israel had triumphed over the Philistines. So the women sang as they danced and said, and notice the chorus of the song that they had sung, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Then Saul was very angry, and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? And so in verse 9 we are told, so Saul eyed David from that uh, day uh, forward. Okay, so jealousy and the exercise of unjust authority on Saul's part, 
was about to do its evil work. Okay, so what's going on here? Well, let's take a closer look. Well, in one of the villages, according to our text, which the word of Israel's victories was carried, someone composed a ballad that had become a popular tune. It went to number one on the billboards Hot 100, if you will. That would be a contemporary uh, example of this. And as Saul and his men came back from their battles, the women ran out to meet them. And as I mentioned, jubilant singing this song. And notice again the chorus that they had sung. Saul has slain his thousands, but notice, and David his ten thousands. Well, feelings of jealousy were aroused in the heart of Saul the king, and he became angry. And feelings of paranoia welled up within him. Notice there in verse 8, let's read that again. Then Saul was very angry, and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Now what more can, be ha- uh, what more can he have but the kingdom. You see, David, at this time, unwittingly captivated the imagination of all the people and was given what Saul wanted the most. And what was that? He wanted the praise and affirmation of the people. He wanted the people's approval. Well, and Saul, having no internal resources to draw on, projected the blame onto David. Now listen, this is exactly what happens when God is absent in a life. And remember now, the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul. Why? Because of his disobedience. So this is what happens when God is is absent in a person's life. And this paranoia sets in. Rather than Saul just resting and trusting in God, you know, what mattered? I mean... Did it really matter that the women, when they came out, sung that song? Saul had slain his thousands, but David his tens of thousands? Couldn't he have just rested in the the Lord and trusted in the Lord? No, he couldn't. And this jealousy welled up uh, within him. You know, in 1 Peter 2 and verse 23, we have a, a, a wonderful example of someone, and it's our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ himself, who just rested and trusted in the Father. The Bible tells us that when he was reviled, he did not retaliate, but he just trusted in him who judges righteously. And I love that. You know, we, we, we just have that rest and peace and we can just trust in the Lord. That is when we have the assurance that God is with us, right? When we, when we know that God is all over us, that God is working on our uh, behalf. But anyway, this was absent in Saul's uh, life. So Saul here is thinking David must be the one that Samuel had referred to. Remember in one of our previous studies, it's recorded first in 1 Samuel in chapter 13 and verse 14, when because of Saul's disobedience to what God had told him to do, that he was going to be removed and replaced by another. And that other was David, the man after God's own heart. So at this time, Saul is thinking David must be the one Samuel had been referring to. And particularly uh, when these women came out and they ascribed greater, uh, a, a greater tribute to uh, David concerning this battle against the Philistines. So Saul here is then 
assessing the potential danger of the situation, and that's exactly what paranoid personalities do. And so anyway, this day of jubilation turned into one of brooding and suspicion. He set himself against the one, that is David, who had been such a blessing to God's people. Now let's pick up, let's go back to our text, and let's uh, pick up now in verses 10 through 16. And it happened on the next day that the distressing spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied. Now this word prophesied is actually uh, misleading. Why in the world would the a distressing spirit that had come from God fall upon Saul and he would begin to prophesy? That doesn't make any sense, does it? So this word prophesied here is actually misleading. In the original Greek, it actually refers to idle uh, uh, ravings and, uh, on uh, Saul's part. So in response to the song that these women were singing, it infuriated him. Uh, in a rage, he came up with these idle ravings. So inside, and notice inside the house. And so David uh, played music with his hand as at other times, but there was a spear in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the spear, for he said, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped his presence uh, twice. Notice there uh, in our text. And Saul was afraid of David, because the Lord was with him. And there, that's that phrase that we want to focus in on this morning, the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. Therefore, Saul removed him from his presence. He just couldn't tolerate the presence of David anymore. Why? Because he was under conviction. You know, here was someone who exercised himself wisely. You know, he went in and went out appropriately. Uh, God's favor was upon him. And thus, Saul was convicted and made him captain over a thousand, and he went out and came in before the uh, people. Now, this going out and coming in before the people is a Hebrew figure of uh, speech. Basically, it suggests that David conducted successful military operations, and such was the, the case. Verse 14. And David behaved wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. There again, we see that reoccurring phrase, the Lord was with him. Therefore, when Saul saw that he behaved very wisely, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before uh, them. Okay, so Saul, allowing his anger to take root, in his heart, making no attempt whatsoever to handle this powerful emotion. What are we talking about? His anger in an appropriate way. He didn't uh, seek to deal with it in an appropriate way. Left himself open for attack from the enemy. And such is always the case. We need to be very careful about allowing anger to control us. And that's the reason why Paul, in the book of Ephesians, in chapter 4, and verses 26 and 27, were warned against this very thing. When there we are told, be angry and do not sin. 
Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. And then in verse 27, and not give place to the devil. You see, that's exactly what happens. When we don't appropriately respond to our anger, the devil comes in and it causes us at times to do things that we would never think that we would uh, do. And thus, an evil spirit came upon him. And notice here, he is a raving a maniac. So anyway, what do we take away from it? Let's personalize this. Be very careful about this sort of thing. You know, you're going to run up against people in your life's experience, and, and there are going to be times when people are going to step on your toes. Uh, you might be driving in your car, get, caught, uh, get cut off or whatever. You, you've heard the expression road rage, which is, very, which is a very real experience. We need to be very, very careful. Don't ever get out of your car, by the way, if someone cuts you off. Don't flip them the bird, right? Uh, as sometimes people do, right? Because you never knew, you never know exactly who it is that you're dealing with. So don't allow anger to uh, control you because it, then it gives room for the devil to step in and all of a sudden you're finding yourself in a, a situation, you're doing things that you would never have thought you would do. And so at this point, uh, because he didn't deal with this uh, emotion appropriately, an evil spirit came upon him, and he it becomes a raven maniac. And listen, this can happen to the best of us. Now notice, David is quite unaffected by his newly acquired popularity. He continues to play his harp as before. Remember uh, when we were told back in one of our past studies, as the uh, Lord had departed from Saul and he had sent an evil spirit to vex him, he was troubled. And news had been brought back to him about this young fellow who had this capacity to be able to uh, sing and compose music and play a harp. And so David was brought in, and when this evil spirit troubled King Saul, David would come and play his harp, and sing those songs, and it would comfort uh, Saul when he was vexed by that evil spirit. Sort of, at that time, David had become a musical therapist, uh, if you will. So that's what had been going on here, and that is what is being referred to uh, here in our uh, text. So anyway, he continues in this ministry, as before, in hope of quieting Saul's tormented spirit, He's uh, a troubled soul, and we know that music and the worship of God has, does have a calming effect, a comforting effect, a calming effect uh, upon us. And I, and I would encourage you, when you're troubled, when you're facing something that's come out of the blue, and you feel yourself being vexed by those things, I would encourage you, you know, turn on the radio. I don't know if we, if we don't have, most people don't buy CDs anymore. But uh, you can listen to it on your phone, on Spotify or whatever, and just listen to some Christian music. And it'll be used by God to comfort you and, and soothe you, right? Uh, sort of that music therapy uh, kind of a thing. But this time, notice, David was unsuccessful. So he was brought in, David sang the songs, he played his harp, but it seems as if it didn't have any effect on King Saul. Why? You see, Saul had cut himself off from helpful 
godly influences. And now was left to sink into the mire of his own willfulness and disobedience. It's sort as if, it's sort as if uh, Saul had crossed a line. You know, in the book of Proverbs, and I'm going to ask you to turn there with me, if you would. So if you would turn with me to the book of Proverbs in chapter 1, verses 20 through 23, I think we're given the explanation of what Saul had allowed into his life and its results. So in Proverbs chapter 1, remember, through his disobedience, turning his back upon God, his disobedience. In Proverbs chapter 1, beginning in verse 20, there we read, Wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open square. She cries out in the chief concourses, at the openings of the gates in the city. She speaks her words. So the, the idea here is that God is providing counsel and wisdom. But we neglect that. We reject the wisdom of God, the counsel of God. Verse 22, how long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. He had been rebuked uh, by God for the prophet Samuel concerning his disobedience, not following through what God had commanded him to do. He He had been rebuked. He says, I will make my words known to you. That is the thoughts of God. God is in the business of making his thoughts known to you and to me. Most of the time, it's through the study of the word. Because I have called and you refused, I have stretched out my hand and no one regarded. Because you disdained all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes. You see, King Saul had nothing to fall back upon. On, uh, uh, fall back upon. When your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord or reverence of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel and despise my every rebuke. And again, the idea here is that Saul crossed a line. And I don't know exactly in any person's life where that line is, but it is a possibility where there's no, you know, turning back. You cross that line and that's it. You know, the Bible tells us, in, for example, in the book of Genesis, my spirit shall not always strive with man. Can you imagine anything worse than that? Where God removes his spirit from an individual and there's no turning back? Where in, in, even in your own distress and calamity going forward, you call upon the Lord and he's not there to answer. Father's house There's a place for me In my Father's house Where I long to be That's all we have time for on this edition of In My Father's House. If you've missed any part of this message, you'll find it online at harvestnyc.org. You can also subscribe to the In My Father's House with Mike Venezio podcast. Just search for it on your favorite podcast platform. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to let you know how you can connect with us. 
We want to hear from you. If you've been listening for months or even the first time today, let us know. Have you been blessed by a teaching here on In My Father's House? Have you been able to share what you've learned with someone else? We want to hear your story. It's such an encouragement and brings us great joy to know how this program is blessing our listeners. So please, let us know you've been tuning in. You can send us a message right from our website. Just go to harvestnyc.org and click on Contact. You'll find a form to fill out and we'll connect with you as soon as possible. You can also let us know you've been listening by sending an email to harvestnyc at verizon.net. Please feel free to share your prayer request too. We'd be honored to join you in seeking God's direction in your life. Again, just email harvestnyc at verizon.net. If you're listening to our broadcast and aren't in the Manhattan area, We'd like to invite you to join our weekly worship services live on our website. We stream our gatherings on Thursday at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday at 11 a.m. Find out more and connect at harvestnyc.org. That's all for today. Join Pastor Mike next time for another edition of In My Father's House. (laughs) 